the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are with Pastor Joel Jones, Senior Pastor at Spirit of Truth Church in Fairfield. He has a background in law enforcement that spans 30 years, having served in both the San Francisco and Oakland Police Departments, as well as the San Francisco Sheriff's Department. And we're talking about the events of the last week, the tragic, inexplicable loss of life of George Floyd. And it's interesting because I say inexplicable, and I guess to a lot of white America, we we don't understand this. How can things like this possibly happen? And yet so many of our fellow African-American citizens look at this, they nod their head in disgust and say, yep, business as usual. We've, um, we've seen a lot of these Black Lives Matter signs that have been cropping up everywhere, and, and really I think that, that goes back to, um, I don't know whether it was the, the passing of Tamir Rice or, or maybe Freddie Gray when they first emerged, I don't recall. But we've often heard a counter to that by saying, well, you know, you say black lives matter, but in reality, all lives matter. And you know what? That's true. All lives do matter. But here's the point. And those that want to counter black lives matter with the phrase phrase or the statement, all lives matter, are missing a very key point. And that is this, that for some, black lives don't matter at all. What we saw take place in the street of Minneapolis a week ago Monday was demonstrative that George Floyd, at the hands of a police officer, his life didn't matter at all. And that, I think, as many, many I think, would hope would, would begin to understand is the point of the talk about Black Lives Matter, that we have to do this engagement not just with ourselves um as as different races within america but most importantly this engagement with ourselves and very god himself because this loss of life this disregarding of life is not just sin against each other but most ultimately since god is the very founder and giver of life it is sin against god himself and this is the point perhaps Pastor Jones, that a lot of people are really missing. And as I said in my remarks and comments just before the break, maybe the thing that we're going to have the most difficult time grappling with, and that is that what we see going on in America today is, is yes, racism, but it is symptomatic of something far deeper, far more serious, far more insidious that is a, a scourge on all of America. And that is the fact that this nation has drifted very far away from God. Yes, indeed, it, it has. And, um, <clears throat> you know, you mentioned something a few seconds ago, um, the phrase Black Lives Matter, and then people that say All Lives Matter. You see, when that phrase follows Black Lives Matter, 
the people that say all lives matter, that's a way of uh, relieving yourself of responsibility and culpability. When you say, yeah, but all lives matter, then you go, Phew. Okay, we're all human, so that took care of that. No, there, there's a bigger problem. Black lives matter, and all lives matter, but all lives aren't being taken by the police like black lives are. See, that's the rest of the equation that people don't want to touch on. And, and you're right. This is systematic. It, we need house cleaning. And I said that when this coronavirus um, came about, God wasn't caught off guard. He knew about it, regardless as to if it came from a bat or a monkey or if it's uh, uh, um, genetically uh, uh, war, genetic warfare, biological warfare, germ warfare, whatever it is, God wasn't caught off, off guard, and he allowed it to take the lid off, like you said, to peel the onion, to take the lid off of this thing so we can get down the basics and say, look, we have a problem. God put the world on hold. He stopped everything, including Vegas and the NBA, to say, can you hear me now? And now God wants to uncover some things, and he's putting people on the spot. He's putting racists on the spot. He's putting politicians on the spot. They're not going to be able to explain things away. Be you Democrat, Republican, or Independent, he's putting people, he's putting the church on the spot. He says, I'm going to close the church, okay, so that you can truly become the church, so that when you go back into the four walls, maybe then you'll be the church, okay, because some there's racism in the church as well. So God is not fooling around, and that's what we have to realize. We have to get right with God. And then, as he says, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from this wickedness, we'll get some things accomplished. And unfortunately, some people are going to perish, and some people are going to die, and the killing uh, is going to continue um, for a time. Um, uh, and, and these are the things that happen in a war. And that's what I mean. We're, we're, this is a war. This is a war, uh, and, and the bodies are falling left and right, and black people are certainly being killed by white police officers, and um, we need to do something about it. But the thing is, it is still a spiritual battle. Really. See, and this is the life. key. I want to. I want to. I want to emphasize this, Pastor Jones. This is so key because there are many of my fellow white evangelicals who look at what's going on here today, and we hear the language of war. We see the imagery of war. Certainly, when we have men with guns and fatigues showing up mm-hmm. on the streets of Washington D.C. and elsewhere, and and vehicles that that mimic the look of tanks and police marching, uh, you know, twelve abreast, uh, moving forward into a crowd and so forth. All of these things are the image of war and warfare. But let's not be deceived that while we might see this played out visually and in the flesh as sort of a mock war between two sides of the same country, oddly enough. In reality, what's really playing out here and what we must never lose track of, and that is that this is spiritual warfare, and you said it so well before the break, the enemy is delighting 
in watching all of this take place. You know, the one successful weapon that he has at his disposal is what? He is the accuser of the brethren, and he divides. And if he can accuse us and divide us, he can conquer us. Absolutely. You you know, uh, and I say this because as a man who's been training all my life since the age of eight, I've not had a beer to this day, I wouldn't know what it tastes like, call me crazy, but the thing is I've trained all my life, and um, I don't, the, the toughest people I know, the most resolved disciplinarian, uh, is no match for the devil. Muhammad Ali, the best boxer heavyweight to come out probably in, the, in, in this modern era at least, he said it. He said, you can't hit what you can't see. And we can try as we might, and we can get mad at each other, and we can point fingers, and we can say, okay, they're doing this, we're going to do this, and they're doing this, and we're going to do this. But you're not hitting the one that you really should hit, and that's the devil, and you can't hit the devil until you hit the Word of God, until you get it in your system. You're still going to be a victim. You're going to be a victim even when you know the Lord, you're going to be oppressed, but you can't be possessed. This man was possessed. The devil had him lock, stock, and barrel. It, when you know Jesus, you have Jesus in you. He said, most assuredly, if you believe in me, the works that I do, you can do also. And I'm a testimony to that. I've been up against four men. I've been up, I've, I've, I've been up against 50 at one time. And the point is, I don't... I no longer have to rely on, on, on taking a guy out or taking a guy down when I know that the power of the Lord is in me to rebuke that demon. And I've seen people crazed and maniacs and, and people swinging sticks, uh, beating people in the head. And as soon as I came and rebuked the devil, it wasn't me. It was the Lord in me. The man bowed down and got on the ground. One man had a knife on him. He said, just reach in my pocket, Sergeant Jones is right there. I'll give it to you, but to nobody else. How, does, how do these things happen? You need help. And that's what having a, riding with the Lord is like. When you take Jesus with you, then you don't worry about it. You see, if that man had Jesus in him, there's no way he's going to be on that guy's neck. He may not even have to arrest Mr. Floyd if he had the Lord in him. But if he went about this the wrong way and had some type of attitude or some bad blood, something brewing in him, if he knew that the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? Your own heart will lead you into prison. This man's own heart turned on him, and now he's, he's looking at doing time. His whole marriage, his whole life, falling apart, victim upon victim and upon victim. But unless we get ourselves right with the Lord, we're still, I don't care, I don't care about your academia, I don't care about your money, I don't care about um, your, your uh, uh, political affiliation. If you don't access the Holy Spirit in you, you are very, very vulnerable these unseen demons and that is well and i don't i don't know of any other way to put it and and as long as we we reside in the spirit of of flesh and of fear 
and we don't see each other, see others, as another child of God created in his very image, but rather see others as different, and in some cases somehow because different than me, inferior to me, then this ugly cycle is going to continue. I mean, I look at this case of what's happened with George Floyd, and here in an instant, essentially, you have one man who served as arresting officer, judge, jury, and executioner all at once. And then the allegation is passing a phony $20 bill. We don't even know if that's true. We don't know if you know if it was him. We don't even know if it was intentional if it was him. And the utter irony, as this story is continuing to filter through the news, today it comes out that before he moved to Minneapolis, George Floyd was very involved in Resurrection Houston, a ministry down there in the predominantly minority third ward of Houston. And he was involved in everything from Bible studies to helping distribute groceries to the needy to taking elderly individuals and cancer patients to doctor's appointments and the congregation with Resurrection Houston and the, the senior pastor there says that the entire community that knew him is just absolutely beside themselves. Can't imagine something like this ever transpiring to a man that they call, and I'm quoting here, a mentor to a generation of young men, a person of peace who helped support many ministries throughout Houston. And so you look at all of this, and you've got to wonder if, if part of this is the inability to see others as Christ sees them, and so therefore our sin has essentially blinded us. I mean, I've got to believe that this, this officer and the other three standing there watching this happen had to have been blinded to George Floyd's humanity. I mean, what else helps us understand, and you've got some unique perspective on this because you were on, you were on the streets as a police officer, Pastor Jones, for 30 years. What's happening in that moment when you hear a man whose face is being crushed to the ground, who's pleading, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, by the end of the eight minutes before he expired, was calling out his mother's name, and yet not one, not two, not three, but four Minneapolis police officers just sit and watch. It's almost as if they were waiting for the execution to conclude. I mean, how, how do you, from, from your perspective as a former peace officer, how do you make sense of a scene like that? Uh, you can't. Uh, uh, you, you, you really can't. And... Uh... I can't, uh, because I've been in situations uh, in, a, in a few shootings, and I've seen officers, and they, they teach you in, in the police department that uh, anything on the color of authority, you're, gonna, you're going down. If you see someone do something illegal, it's your job to pull them off. So... I really don't know these officers. I don't know if they um, 
were friends or hung out together, it doesn't matter because when you go to work and you cover another officer, you cover him. And if he does something wrong, especially now, and the Lord has made, he has, he has brought us into this advent of um, cell phones and dash cams and cameras. That's the most amazing thing. They know they're being taped. They know they're it's it's being seen and nobody helps that's why i can only say that this is spiritual warfare you know everything that happens in the physical starts in the spiritual mm-hmm. so these three men these three officers were taken away by demonic forces because none of them especially the little heavyset guy he's walking around uh you know, looking around, and it's as if he's surveying the situation, so he sees it clearly, but never taps that officer on the shoulder and says, "Ease up, ease up, ease up." He's, you know, that's that's all he had. That's all somebody had to do. And and then maybe we don't have all the killings and the unrest that we have now. But but I believe the Lord allowed that to happen. Now this man, the uh, Floyd. Um, if he was a Christ, a follower like 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 you're saying, here's a man who had run into problems before or had been arrested or something like that. And I remember when the Lord came to me, and and this was in the spirit, and he said, "You know, you've arrested a lot of my a lot of people. You arrested, they all broke the law, Joel." He said, "But you've all broken my law." Mm-hmm. All men have broken my laws. He said, now instead of locking them up, I want you to set them free through Jesus. See, this man, George Floyd, has been set free to Jesus. And you know, once you become a Christ follower, the devil really has your, a target on you, a bullseye on you. And I believe that these men were taken, and now George is, uh, has expired and murdered. You see, and and this is a spiritual warfare. You were mentioning um, the the, the uh, uniforms that we're seeing in the neighborhood that exemplify that we are a country at war. Physically, we are on a curfew. Your 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 freedom is being limited, but these people that are racist have been limiting the freedom of black people for centuries. And now the Lord is pulling the lid back on all of this stuff, but it all stems from spiritual uh, warfare and, and uh, the, the different types of aggression that are hidden that people can't see because their hearts are so wicked and these demons take advantage. And that's what we're seeing right now. And until we I don't get want to, that, to um, I, I don't want to appear to give any sense of excuse making. I said on the no. program yesterday that. I'm differentiating between protesters and rioters and looters. Protesters are doing one thing. Rioters and looters are doing something entirely different. But making that transition where maybe you got up that morning and headed out and began the day with the intention of protesting and suddenly it morphed into something more severe and people have struggled with, well, then they must all be criminals. Well, certainly they're engaged in criminal acts, but I think it's important for white America to capture a glimpse of an understanding that this is not a tragedy, it's yet another tragedy. And it's a long list of Emmett Till, Freddie Gray, Walter Scott, Mm -hmm. Tamir Rice, Mm -hmm. Eric Gardner, Trayvon Martin, Oscar Grant right here in the city of Oakland. And now we've added 
yet another name to the list in mm-hmm. the case of George Floyd and 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 I think where 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 we need to spend a moment and con- and and really contemplate this to try to understand the kind of anger that we're seeing now demonstrated on the streets again not making excuses for for looters and people that are stealing but to understand why is there so much deep-seated anger when after this man not only pled for his life repeatedly and the other three officers just stood and watched just stood and watched. At one point, Officer Thomas Lane asked, should we roll him on his side? To which Chauvin said, no. And even after Floyd had stopped breathing, one of the other officers, Koenig, checked his pulse and found none. They called for ambulance and paramedics. But here's the shocker, and I got to ask you a question. Your time of service, when you went through the academy, you must have received some sort of basic first aid training. Am I right? Over and over again, you're right. Yeah, you give me, given the fact that oftentimes on you know a, an automobile accident or, or or some other event, usually it is the police who arrives first, assesses the situation, and then calls on paramedics, fire ambulance, etc. So right. even these four officers equipped with life-saving skills of things like CPR and resuscitation. Now, you want to know why people are mad? That after he was found with no pulse, oh, yeah, they called the paramedics. Oh, yes, they called Mm -hmm. for an ambulance. Mm -hmm. And in the five or six minutes that it took for the the EMT people to, to respond, they made no attempt. No attempt at all. To do CPR or to resuscitate the man at all. And and even a five-year-old knows that if you're deprived of oxygen for any length of time, the likelihood of irreversible brain damage, if you survive, is is almost 100%. Right. And so and, then people and, wonder, why, why, why is everybody upset? Watching to the streets and closing down freeways and everything else. Well, this, this spirit of death that is right. hovering over this country... Mm-hmm. that is responsible for things like this because you can have human beings that are so disconnected from their creator that this is the way they behave. This is the end result. This is what exactly. happens when sin is let, set loose in yes. a nation. Yes, and, and that's what we're seeing. It says in the Word that people would become desensitized to these things, and our country has... It takes something like this to rally people, but you just mentioned a long list of people who have been killed and murdered uh, by officers, and these are the ones that we know about. What about the ones where the reports have been fabricated for years? What about uh, um, um, uh, murders that that you you never heard about, you see? Because for everyone that you you know about, there are others that, that are arresting uh, uh, six feet under, that nobody, the truth didn't come out. And so this is that pervasive nature of sin. And if we're human beings and we care about one another, we've got to get to the root of this thing. And, and, and that's, that's my issue. We've got to get to the root of it. We can't no longer just dig this. We've got to get the whole thing. We need a heart transplant. We need a, not just a bypass. We need a spiritual heart transplant. Man, 
kind. And uh, and the only way I don't I don't see another way around it or another way out of it except through the Lord and the true Word of God. And 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 then you have to hold fast to the Lord. But that's going to take some work. That's going to take people submitting, and we don't like to submit. You know, we like to do what we want to do, black or white or Asian. We want to do what we want to do and just have a good time. When you've got to submit to the Lord, then the devil will flee. And that's what his word says. Like you cannot get around the word of God. We can put a Band-Aid on this. We can enact some laws. We can protest for a while till the next tragedy happens. And then the people, like you said, the looters will come out and they'll try to grab them a big screen TV and use this as opportunist demons do. But have we solved the problem? And that's what we've got to do. Racism is just another earmark of sin. And we really have you know, to approach this thing from inside out. I am I'm reminded... Pastor Jones of that verse. It's it's a book that's a small one, so it's often kind of sort of skipped over in the New Testament. But in in First John four and twenty, um, we're reminded. I'm a big King King James fan. I'm an old guy. What can I say? But this passage: If a man say, "I love God," and yet hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Absolutely. If you hate your brother, then the love of God does not reside in you. So what does that take us back to? That takes us back to the core of man's fallen sin nature. Yeah. And really, at the end of the day, this is a battle over not white against black, police over civilians, Democrats over Republicans, none of that. This is really a battle of good and evil, this is an enemy between, uh, you know, played out in those principalities and powers in high places being right. played out, and it is is the enemy of our soul. What's John 10, 10 tell us? That the enemy right. walketh He's about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and he is devouring us right now, unless we wake up and repent. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's my job now as a pastor. Uh, I'm still a warrior. I'm still a fighter. I never like bullies. I've taken hits and uh, been knocked unconscious when I was a kid because I stood up for people who couldn't fight. And now I fight with the Lord in me and uh, against evil. Racism, bigotry is evil. And and we fight against it. We're taught to fight against it, but we're taught. To is it? Let me interrupt you. I'm 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 curious. Pardon the interruption, Pastor Jones, but I'm I'm curious from your perspective. You talked about standing up for others. You talked certainly in your 30 years as a peace officer. Many times had to defend the defenseless. You were called because somebody had been victimized by somebody else, typically a more powerful person or somebody with a weapon, right? Mm-hmm. I am wondering, in in a day and an age when we've kind of dispensed the notion of am I my brother's keeper, is it the responsibility of the white church to stand up, give voice, and defend what's happening 
to black Americans today? And I, and I ask that question because, you know, we so often like to thump our chest and talk about being pro-life people. And we typically talk about that in the context of the unborn and the abortion topic. Um, and yet I wonder if we're going to really truly be pro-life, that would seem to me all of life, cradle to grave, and therefore would it not conclude that there is some responsibility if we are eager to give voice to those who have no voice, who are defenseless from the threat of abortion in the womb, doesn't it stand to reason that we then as as evangelicals and, and as white America, who are at least claimed to be lovers of God, that we ought to stand up and give voice to the defenseless, to those who are being abused under these sets of circumstances? Uh, absolutely. You, you know, Craig, um, you hit on something now that we could spend another 45 minutes on, because um, the Bible tells us that in, in Ephesians, it tells us in Ephesians, I think it's in 510, it says, finding out what's acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them. We need to bring out anything that's not right. We've got to stand up. Anything that we see, especially if we've been reconciled to God, as it says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, if we've been reconciled to God and we are ambassadors for Christ, we've got Jesus' name across our chest. And, and we represent him. And, 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 and we're supposed to stand up. Jesus said, as, as much as you've done uh, to these, you've done to me. Mm -hmm. So we stand up and see this uh, uh, a race of people uh, being maligned, being murdered in the streets. Of course it's our job. It's our job to, to, to dialogue. It's our job to bring it out. But more than anything else, we have to do something about it. We, and that's what I mean. That's what Jesus says in, in, in the book of uh, uh, Matthew 7, uh, 21, that uh, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, except he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That many in that day will say, Lord, uh, did we do this, did we do that? And I'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. So you said you were a Christian. You said, oh, yeah, you spoke in tongues and you sang in the choir, but your heart was never there for your brother. And, and this is where we all have to be. We have to check ourselves because a lot of people are saying they know the Lord, but, but what do your works say? How are we doing? Are we, are, are we truly serving him like we used to, like we're supposed to? Because, again, God is bringing... He's, he's holding a lot of people accountable, even the church. You know, he's saying it's not about having church. It's about having a relationship and, with the Lord and being led by the Holy Spirit and loving your brother. The second greatest commandment, you love God first, then you love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you cannot hold that man down and let him die. Mm. You cannot go by and see someone on the street in trouble. When that CHP officer a couple of years ago was being, uh, the man was trying to get her gun, and I, we, my wife and I just happened to be coming by on the street, and the man was trying to, and he beat the woman down. And, and I had to do something, and I said, Lord, be with me. And if I have to struggle over this gun and die, okay. But that's my neighbor. I didn't know the woman. 
I, I didn't know her. I didn't know she was LGBT. I didn't know what her views were. I didn't know that her family was trying to get her to come to Christ. All I knew that I represent the Lord, and that's someone whose life is getting ready to be taken. How can I just drive by? So I had to put my life on the line. This is what we're talking about. See, and, and, and at the core of what you're saying, and I want to pause here for one second. Um, Joel, I know we've got 10 minutes to go. Do we need to take a quick time out? Because I want to give Pastor Jones a few more minutes to put a wrap on this. You do. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're going to let you figure that out. All right. Bear with me for one second here then. Um, you know, the, the thing that occurs to me that so often as these issues have been discussed, and certainly people have listened to this program for the last 30 years know that every time this comes up, we seem to have some discussion about it. We get all excited, and then we kind of go back mm -hmm. to life as usual, as I suggested before. I think we need to be very cautious this time in understanding, first and foremost, and maybe once and for all, that while this may be couched in the news media and by our politicians as being a African-American issue or a police issue or a criminal-related rela issue, whatever, this is a church issue because it's only the church that holds the answer to address what really ails America at the core, what is really behind the racism that we're seeing played out in the streets of America, what's really behind the violence that's being played out in the streets of America. All of this goes back to being not the problem. Race is not the problem here. I'm going to get email on this one, Pastor Jones. Oh, brother. <laughs> what I'm going to say right well, now, and emphatically, race is not the problem. Sin is the problem racism is the symptom it is the indicator it is the evidence you were a police officer you know all about evidence this is the evidence to prove where the crime is being committed and the crime that's being committed is called sin against god take a minute if you would they're gonna kick us both out of here and keith crosby's <coughs> gonna do the same thing at seven o'clock so take a minute if you would and just kind of Summarize for us your heartbeat as a man who served in law enforcement for 30 years, as a father, as a husband, as a man who served in the U.S. military, as a pastor, and as a black American. What do you want the rest of us to hear and to know? Well, if I had to give anything, uh, the best thing I could give to a person is I've been a, a protector a, a bodyguard, basically, all my life. The best way to protect yourself, the best protection you could ever have against any type of sin, including racism, is to get to know Jesus and have him in you, in your heart. And if we all get to know him, and if we all truly, truly, truly get into a relationship with the Lord, then we won't have a problem with racism or any other sin. Now, that sounds like heaven. Well, that's what we're headed to. But to get there, you've got to know him. And that's what's missing. We've become a country that does what we want to do, and we can explain things away. No, we have to start uh, <laughs> explaining things the way God wants to hear them. He's in charge. 
once we find out that he's in charge and we uh, get ourselves into a relationship with Christ, then we will be able to tackle this unseen problem, the, 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 uh, the elephant in the middle of the room, which is racism. That's the only way you can bring it down, along with other crimes that are, uh, um, and it's criminal to me. Racism is criminal because it poisons a whole country, and now it's spreading out into the world. Just from what's happened in Minneapolis, what we need to do is uh, give ourselves to the Lord and submit, and that's the biggest thing that we can do. And then all the rest of the little things uh, will fall into place. And you know, yeah. Pastor, uh, to, to, to wrap up your, your observation, racism is criminal to you. Imagine what it is to God. And that, I think, is the point that we all need to be mindful of. This is a Second Chronicles 7.14 moment, church. And if you're not familiar with the passage, I'm not going to take the time to read it. You'll go look it up for yourself and then tell me what conclusions you draw. Pastor Joel Jones, Senior Pastor of Spirit of Truth Church in Fairfield. Information, by the way, about his work and ministry online, um, the abbreviation for the name of his church, Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide. That's S-O-T-C-W-W dot com. And if you missed that, you can check out the podcast here. We invite you to do so at kfax.com. You can hit the theme there, Joel. We're going to say uh, goodbye for today, and uh, we've run a bit long, I understand. We're going to have to catch up on a little bit of business here. Uh, but in the meanwhile, I want to thank you for listening. And um, don't just listen, though. I want you to get active and involved and recognize that at the end of the day, yeah, there's going to be political solutions and solutions coming out of our leaders out of Washington and everywhere. But right now, the only ones that have the answer is the church, because we are the ones that understand that at the core, racism is not the problem. Racism is the symptom. The problem is sin. And the only cure for sin is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm Craig Roberts. Our thanks to Pastor Joel Jones for being with us. My engineer is Joel Rivera. I'm Craig Roberts. As I said a moment ago, till next time, don't just keep the faith, go share it. So long. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.